Hello and welcome back to Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Konga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks. You? I'm very good indeed. Very good. That's indeed. why I'm laughing because you're so happy. <laughs> I'm very happy, yeah. I'm wearing my favourite blue polo shirt for the first time this summer. It's Polos my, all summer. It's my favourite polo shirt because it's my only polo shirt. But be optimists. Yeah, um, so that's why I'm happy. Also, big polo energy. Big polo energy, but it's just, it's nice weather. It's good vibes. Very warm, isn't it? Yeah, Berlin's opening up a bit. I saw a really good friend of mine from the football team. Shout out to Fabi at the local and his partner, Sarah. That's very nice. Yeah, nice. I'm just good. I'm very, very good. La Liga's back. It is back. Um, slightly stumbling into life in some cases. I mean, some of the teams are getting off to slightly slow starts. But overall, I've been really surprised by the intensity. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should get onto that in a little bit. Yeah. So we've got to do some admin before we start. So first of all, obviously... BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. Go and vote. Please go and vote for Stadio. <laughs> and the Listener's Choice Award. I love how that's the first piece of admin. Hey, it's important. <laughs> Democracy is important. <laughs> go get it. But before we go into the, uh, the rest of the football, we've got some news. We do. So we're joining the ringer. Ta-da! Good times. Yeah, we're really excited about this. So Stadio will be the same twice a week, but it'll start going through the Ringer FC feed. The first show will be June 22nd and we'll dual post on this current feed and the Ringer FC feed for a few weeks until we gradually move over there. But yeah, and we'll also be writing more for the site. Yeah. We have obviously been looking at ways that we can push Stadio forward a little bit over the last few months, especially with, you know, things got a bit bit tough during the lockdown and we were a little bit worried about how we were going to push things on. You know, we explored other options and stuff like that but we've been talking to the ringer for a really long time and for us it's super exciting and it allows us to keep work through the stadio site and grow that a little bit more and you know writing for we can write for the ringer and blah blah blah, and we don't have to take anyone's money off them so and it all stays free so yeah it will be spotify only eventually but you don't need to pay subscription so you can use it on a free spotify account yeah so first show on the Ringer FC feed will be Monday, June the 22nd. Dude, it's just really cool. Like, honestly, <laughs> it's just really cool. I'm just, <laughs> I've been WhatsApping my friends about it. They're like, oh my God, I'm it's really cool. It's really exciting. Yeah, we're really excited. And um, yeah, shouts to the Ringer. Shouts to the Ringer crew. Good vibes, good vibes. Bad day for announcements, sir. We, when, we announced, when we announced Stadio, I think we announced Stadio the same day that The Athletic announced the UK launch. That's right. Yeah. And they've snapped someone else up today as well. And now we've announced this. So our timing's terrible. We go under the radar though. I love it. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it's like really exciting for us because it's a bit of a reboot on the football slash soccer front for the Ringer. The Ringer FC podcast hasn't been going for, for a while now. And so it's really cool for us to be part of that reboot whilst also continuing to have stuff on the stadio site and build that side of it as well so yeah for us it's just super exciting huh can i be honest go on the thing i'm most looking forward to is the first virtual office drinks because i i really like their staff <laughs> <laughs> i didn't say this during the negotiations but i'm like i really want to work with these people as colleagues i've read their stuff for a long time yeah like, same yeah <laughs> I, see if Jay, I, I can't yeah. wait to see if Shea Serrano is actually six foot three. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know you're, you're doing negotiations for a job and you can't say how hyped you are? So I kept a good poker face. I was just like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yep, yep. Strategy, strategy. It's like, yeah, I get to hang out with so-and-so. <laughs> 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 I 
I hope they like us. It's like a first day at school. <laughs> I know. We like the new kids. I know, I know. Yeah. We've got to play it cool. I'm going to play it so cool. Oh, God. We're going to have yeah. to watch our takes now. It's going to be a roll neck. It's got to be a roll <laughs> first, <laughs> first contact has to be a roll neck. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Shout out to the ringer. Shout out to, and can I say as well, um, before I forget, can I say thank you to the listeners? That's yeah. Ryan, obviously, who brought her to this point because what has really been amazing, I get slightly emotional here. I, I can say this, I'll be honest. I was never sure I'd be able to do a podcast and I didn't, which is weird considering somebody seems to enjoy the Southern voice so much. Um, I didn't think I'd do a podcast. And to be honest with football, I think it really revitalized me and my love for the game. And a, a huge part of that has been the response from listeners. And I don't mean the praise. I don't mean that. I mean, the actual interaction, the quality of the questions every week blows me away to the point where when I now read and watch football, when I read football articles and watch football games, I look for more detail because I know how much people enjoy that really granular level of analysis. Mm. So yeah, it's been really, really amazing. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier with this piece of news, but also with the response we've had from our listeners. So yeah, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'd love to echo that. And also, I think that's kind of why we wanted to communicate it in our own way, because for us, you know, we are relatively small as a podcast compared to the numbers that a lot of other people get. But we really feel that there's like a nice little community there, like you said, with the questions and stuff like that, and the little kind of themes that roll on. And like, we didn't want to just do this thing and kind of be like, hey, we're on the ringer, let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because first of all, we want to take all of you lot with us yeah. because everyone who's listened to us so far has been a massive, massive part of the growth of the podcast. And, you know, we don't take that lightly at all. Yeah. And to be fair, like we want to, you know, again, big up the ringer who just were like, yeah, cool. Communicate how you want to communicate it. They were just really cool, so cool with letting us yeah, do yeah. this. And yeah, it's, it's really, really important to us that everyone who's been with us since we started is also on board with it and comes with us and can't wait, really. It's just going to be, it's just going to be cool. Exactly. I just want to get on NBA desktop. That's my goal, man. Oh I want to just go on there as spice. Like now we've got Ryan Hunt from Stadio with some spice. And I'm going to be like, Jason, the Pacers are going to win the championship in the next five years. And everyone's going to be like, cancel that guy. <laughs> Cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's, let's talk football. Um, let's talk football. Should we start La Liga? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. This was so okay. weird, man. Okay, so, so, I, so you, weird. You, you actually called me when we were both watching Atleti against Athletic. And we were both thinking about the fake fan noise. No, the first time we called, we actually called it in the Seville Derby. We did, we did. But the second, the time when the, the fake fan noise really hit me and made me realise this thing is here to stay. The first time it made me realise it here to stay was the Athletic Atleti. And the reason I say that is because what scared me was I suddenly realised as a generation of football fans, we've been absolutely primed for fake fan noise by FIFA and, yeah. and these, you know, playing EA Sports. Like we've been primed for it. We're so used to hearing synthetic noise through a screen that now that we're hearing it, it's actually completely natural. Yes, it was mm. unnatural for me because I have a different, I'm conscious of the fan sacrifice and all the rest of it. But for the passive viewer, which is what they're trying to attract, this is gold. Yeah. This is absolute gold. This is going to work. Like this enhanced fans. And there was a bit when um, 
the Spanish football podcast and it wasn't Sid Lowe because he says he never tweets from that account. It didn't hmm. even follow it until recently. So I don't know, maybe it was Phil Kutramidis, I'm not sure. But the Spanish football account tweeted, my God, like the kind of 2D fans actually shifted away. They, they were sliding out all over the place. Yeah. And I was like, this is so perfectly dystopian. Isn't it's just it amazing? so weird. It's so weird. It's just, I mean, I was watching it on the zone. So basically the zone in Germany have the La Liga rights. And it was really weird. It seemed to be that the first half, there didn't seem to be that much fan noise. And the second half, there was loads. And I couldn't figure out what was going on, whether I had the fan noise feed or not, but there's no option to turn it off. So I imagine that La Liga have just, are just broadcasting the international feed as it is with the fan noise. Um, they have this weird thing though. So the main, the main stand opposite the main camera and behind the goals and stuff, the lower tiers will have these 2D computerized fans that look like they're there. But the weird thing is, is that it's almost like their, their processor wasn't quick enough because when they cut back to the master shot, there was the empty stand and then they, the <laughs> fans would just yeah. appear a split second later. I just don't see the point in it, to be honest. I'm, we've had this conversation before. We spoke with Andrew on the Arscast about it the other day, and there were a few guys who responded to us just being like, you know, I pay money to watch this on TV, which is fair. You know, that is fair. However, you've got that subscription to watch a product, in quote marks, that is so reliant on fans in the stadium to generate the atmosphere. If the fans aren't allowed in the stadium because of what's going on at the moment with Corona, then our enjoyment as viewers at home is completely secondary, I believe. Do I think it's going to happen? Can I be really cynical what might happen? And this is a fear of mine. There's going to be an option in order to increase the interactive fan experience. Instead of having fans in the crowd, you'll be able to like superimpose yourself into the crowd when you're viewing oh, it so you can God. see yourself at the game. You know that's go- you know that's where this is going, this whole virtual reality thing. It's going to be like, their rationale will be the players and the people in the crowd, they're there at the game enjoying it. But for the rest of us, we can customise the product. We can customise what we see. This is the thin end of the wedge, absolutely. It's just weird. It is weird, but we're like the Luddites. We're like the Luddites, the first time they saw a printing press. But, but you've, you've said this though, you've said this about the merging already. Do you remember you said like how... PES has created unrealistic expectations of player performance yeah. because every game you expect like, and this is not just the overproduction of Messi and Ronaldo, that's a slightly separate point. It's the fact that you're like, oh, this person's 75 for this and 84 for that. They should be this. Actually. Yeah. Not everyone wingers, resets to a hundred percent for each game. Yeah. Even watching, I mean, it was funny watching Hertha um, this weekend and, and against Eintracht Frankfurt and watching out, watching and seeing how, well-coached teams can find solutions against good teams. Mm. You know, Eintracht is still, they're still a good team. And you just see that actually from game to game, you can't guarantee a nine out of 10 from X or whatever, because someone catches you cold, someone catches you slipping. Like, so I think this is the thing. I'm not, I'm not blaming the games industry. I'm not saying that. It's more that football had a choice. I mean, God, I hate to say, here we are again talking about, <laughs> we're, we're not, we know it is, we're not appealing. This is the thing. Can I, can I make clear to the podcast listeners? I am not appealing to the better angels of football's nature. This is about applying pressure points and leverage to La Liga wherever you can, because they can't, I don't think that, I mean, La Liga in particular, they're always an outlier when it comes to issues of footballing ethics, in my opinion. I mean, they're like the 39th game. I mean, this is something I'm going to be writing about later this week anyway, but Mm. they're the outliers in this respect. They are always the ones who will take the buck. I mean, look at the way they schedule 
games, for example. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like there's no regard for fans traveling. They'll have games late on a Sunday night and we've got work the next day. I mean, this is La Liga. This is peak. This is what they do. I can't remember who said this actually. It was a, a, a coach said that they weren't surprised about the, 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 the fan graphics because they said La Liga has just never been about the fans for so long now. They've exactly. messed them about. Yeah, is- Why not mess them about some more kind of thing? Thank you. This is just the same as the fixtures. It's a natural continuation. It's like a, it's part of their arc. Yeah. And it's funny because you look how the German football league, how the Bundesliga has handled fan noise. It's been so much more nuanced and sensitive and respectful, if that makes sense. I, I, I think, I think in, in relation, in relation to. Yeah. Optional. I think so. Making it optional was so. obviously a, a good thing. And, and the La Liga thing may be optional. I can't, but I'm, on the feeds that we've seen it on, it's not been optional. Right. Yeah. So there, rant over. <laughs> Old man ranting at cloud. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, in terms of the actual games, top threes as you were. Yep. Barca, Real Madrid, and Sevilla all winning. I mean, Tony Cruz. I spent much of the weekend actually before the game watching his highlights on on YouTube, and he scored a goal that was right from it will go right. I don't know if you saw his. You would have seen it, but. For those listeners who haven't seen the goal um, against Abar, and it's funny because he had a very bad time the last time he played at Abar, made a horrible cross hill pass, I think, for Abar's second, and they lost 3 0. Mm. Rails. They, they got their revenge this time, three first half goals, but Cruz with the pick and his strike. I actually think Tony Cruz enjoys not hitting the ball any more than like 50% power. I think he actually gets a kick out of it. He's, uh. like, a lawn te- he's like a lawn tennis player. It's like watching, yeah, kick. It's like watching um, Federer warming up. You know, you watch Federer at Wimbledon warming up with his forehand mm. and he's not actually smacking. He's just guiding into the corners. Watching Tony Crowe's hit a ball is like that. And I've realized something about his first touch as well. Watching him play football. I think that Tony Crowe's actually has the best crossover in world football. And you and mean when the I first cross- touch to move it onto yeah, another? Yeah. yeah. Tony Crowe's first touch is a pass. It's a pass. And I, I can't emphasize how incredible that is to receive the ball anywhere on the pitch and your first touch is a pass to yourself. That's unreal. And I had to spend a lot of time watching because I was like, he's so simple in his style, but there's such a geometry to it. And then when I started watching, in order to understand it, because it's so simple how he plays, I started watching his opponents instead of him. So when he received the ball, took the first touch, I watched how his opponent was unbalanced and I suddenly realized that is like Alan Iverson. Mm. It's exactly the same, slight shift in direction and the way he steps off a foot. And it's so subtle. And it means that he conserves so much energy. Yeah. It's like, he's, he's actually like a magical, there's very few footballers I describe as magical, but he is absolutely one of them. Yeah. Good shout. Lovely to see that they were playing their game. They're playing the rest of their games at the Estadio Alfredo Di Stefano, their training stadium. I love that. Yeah, super cool. We are talking about FIFA before. It's kind of like playing a game on FIFA and setting it to one of those really, really small stadiums. It's great. Yeah, it's really cool, actually. Yeah. It's really nice. Playing at the training ground. Oh, and Marcelo did a black power salute after scoring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, there's no... Listen, except no substitutes. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Big win for Barca. They beat Mallorca 4-0 in Mallorca. There was a pitch invader. Yes, that was really adorable. <laughs> Guy climbed over I mean, the fence into the stadium to run onto the pitch. And I, I want to say, like, yeah, don't, we don't like obviously celebrate law breaking. It's just that the way he described the, the process was yeah. quite adorable. And all the players found it really funny. You could see they were just like, "Wow, this is kind of wild." There's, there's, there are no fans here, but 
There's a pigeon vader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was quite sweet. And um, yeah, shout out to Martin Brathwaite. I think it's his first goal. First goal for Barca. And there was a funny thing. Diana Christine said, who's a great follower, she said, uh, I was a bit surprised by his lack of celebration. Yeah. And I was like, the thing is though, I mean, I'm sure he was happy, but also like the crowd, there's no crowd, there's yeah. no atmosphere to really get hyped about. But also, and this is not reading too much into it, he's had a really unfair time of it, Martin Brathwaite. Like some of the criticism has been really unfair. And, you know, Leganes, he was amazing for them. Mm. And they'll probably go down because he's not there. He was brilliant. And it's, it's noticeable to many people. I mean, I'm not the only person that said this, countless have. His understanding with Messi is outstanding. Yeah, Messi, far Messi's better, assist. Far better than the link up with Griezmann. But just like even some of the attempted, uh, even, even some of the attempts that he had, he almost scored in the second half, a beautiful link up with Messi. And his understanding, his footballing intelligence is off the scale. His technique is superb. I mean, the goal was lovely. Great hit. Now, one thing that was concerning me about the Barcelona game, though, was Antoine Griezmann wearing a long sleeve shirt in June in Mallorca. It's confusing. Very confusing. I think, it's, I, I think he's trying to find himself. Do you know I think Griezmann's like right now? He's like Bowie in the 80s when he was playing around with different genres. Like he's really struggling to find himself in that team. And I don't think, I love Griezmann. I said that before, but I cannot see it working in that attack. Do you think he's PSG bound? Do you know what? I'd love him to be PSG bound because, do you know what I mean? How many times have we seen Griezmann play this year? And it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Yeah. I think I think there were a lot of murmurs about, I mean, before football shut down, about Neymar and Griezmann in some kind of deal. I'd forgot how mishmash that kind of Barca side looks or looked before, because obviously it's been three months now. But yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to take a while. There were a lot of players cramping up at various games over the weekend in La Liga. And I mean, we saw it with yeah. the opening two weeks of the Bundesliga. Some sides were looking far sharper than others. Messi looks happy. There was a bit, can I just say one thing, no disrespect, not to name names of any other pundits who I love, but a bit, bit of beard slander. Now that Messi's got no beard, it's like, oh, Messi's got no beard. It was, I quite like the sort of Captain America nomad beard that he had there. So I do slightly miss it. But he oh, looked really happy. He was, he was moving very well, wasn't he? Messi looked great with a beard. I was a big fan of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe he could, you know, the hair's growing out. It's quite warm. Something's got to give until he can go to a barber. That's true. He looked really happy on holiday. So happy that I thought, ah, oh, well, he really fancy it when he gets back. But he's been, it's like a Labrador taking the first run in the park. He was everywhere. Yeah. And his goal yeah. at the end was lovely as well. Although it took a deflection, nice. but yeah, man, La Liga is back. We'll, we'll be covering more La Liga, obviously, because there are pretty much games every day. There are yep, yep. two more games this evening. We're recording this Monday morning. Three games on Wednesday. Three games on Thursday, two games on Friday. There's so much football. Are we going to cover Atleti quick before we move to a break? Maybe very quickly. Um, it's okay. Look, just watching them is interesting. They, they got a one-all draw. Diego Costa scored an equaliser after Munayin put. He looked good, ahead. you know. He did. He did. Actually, shout out to Andy Brassel who commented on this on Twitter. He said he looked lean and mean, which I thought was a very good, very good. Judgment. He did. I'm just, I'm just a bit more concerned about what's behind him because. Atleti created a few chances, but they didn't create a quality of chance. That, does that make sense? Mm. There wasn't much passing through the heart of midfield and they still seem a team preoccupied with containment rather than creation. And they have the right pieces on the field. I mean, you look at the players that there is the creativity, you know, Sol Niguez, Lamar, these are good footballers. Yeah. But the configuration isn't there. And I, I don't want to knock Atleti. This is the first game back. It's just that the quality of chance they create 
is is suboptimal. I mean, Athletic are a good defensive side, though, as well. I mean, only Athletic and uh, Real Madrid have conceded less goals than them this season. So yeah, that's true. Lorente looked good too. Lorente yeah. looked good too. And I mean, considering Athletic are obviously famously goal shy. Yeah. The <laughs> weirdly, actually, the only side in the top half who have scored less is Athletic. So a one or draw probably wasn't the least surprising result. It's probably more than we deserved. Actually, yeah, it should have been nil-nil. Yeah, yeah, for real. (laughs) Can you imagine Diego Simeone listening going, what more do these people want? We gave gave them two goals. We conceded one. God, I can't work miracles. Oh, Stadio, we thought they changed. (laughs) Sorry, Diego, (laughs) we love you. Uh, Should we go to a break? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're back from the break and um, just a little reminder, britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. Get those votes. <laughs> Before we're off iTunes, get those votes in quick. <laughs> They're going to, dra- no, we should record ourselves being dragged off iTunes. <laughs> we should. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you should end the podcast with that. <laughs> Bundesliga. So Bayern are one win away if they win on Tuesday night I do believe they're they're playing they will win the Bundesliga for an eighth yeah. straight time and they are playing Werder Bremen away they'll probably win that Werder Bremen are on an absolute tear though scoring five goals for the first time this season they're true I mean but then again Paderborn's defence was abject oh. Paderborn's problem yeah I mean poor Paderborn poor pa- yeah I mean they're down they although they had um, they did have some great news to shout about, which was uh, uh, I didn't hear the news. Klaus Jazula. <laughs> Ryan, that, how is that great news? Go on, complete it. He broke the, he broke, he broke the Bundesliga record for yellows in a season. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said, who is your favourite card collector? Someone actually asked. Yeah, Tommy Dolman said, in honour of Klaus Kajula's record for yellow cards on the weekend, who are your favourite shithouses or card collectors, to be more polite? I actually like the ones who don't get the bookings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hiding in plain sight, yeah. Yeah, I like like the kind of, I like the Fernandinho type people. I like that. The slick ones. Yeah, they're like the equivalent of Lando Cal always having that card up his sleeve on the the games, which is why he gambles on everything because he always wins. Do you know what I mean? There was was a great moment in one of the games actually where a penalty gets awarded. I can't remember the game now. A penalty gets awarded this week Mm. and the player runs up to the ref and goes, ref, this is the Bundesliga. Like, Oh, it was some... the Union against Cologne. The handball. Yeah, Uni- yeah. yeah. And the guy was like, this is the, he's like, ref, this is the Bundesliga. What are we? And, it, and the ref was like, you know what? Fair enough. Goes and reviews it. And I was like, yeah, no penalty. And was so cool about it. And I was like, I loved, you know what? I loved everything about that interaction. I loved the fact that the, the way the player said it, I loved the way you could hear it because there wasn't this artificial fan noise. I loved the way that the ref was actually humble enough to be like, do you know what, actually? Like, it felt very. It felt like the best of like German football. Like it felt very correct. It felt like, you know what? Mm, appeal. We have an option. Let's not be arrogant. Let's look at it. Okay. You know what? I was wrong. We play on. Yeah. It was so cool. Just <laughs> get this moving. Just retweet and move along, guys. <laughs> but just the way the, the way the player said, hey, ref, this is the Bundesliga. This isn't some, you know. Yeah. But then like, I mean, yeah. So Union, that was a good win for Union actually though, because they ended up winning 2-1 against Cologne in Cologne. They needed that. My yeah, God. they really, my really God. needed that. They're now okay, aren't they? We're not, they're not okay, but with three games to go... I think they will be all right. 
Yeah, they're seven points clear of Fortuna and seven points clear of Bremen. Fortuna are in the the playoff spot at the moment, but they're only one goal. Their goal difference is only one better than than Bremen after Bremen's win on the weekend. So those mm. two, obviously Fortuna losing the last minute to Dortmund, Holland with the last minute header. Well, last minute of stoppage time was pretty much the last. Well, it wasn't a kick of the game, yeah. the last head of the game. Yeah. So yeah, I think Union will be okay. They could be okay after the midweek fixtures because it's an English Avoca in mm. Germany this week. Which means we have midweek games. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bayern, just for, just for new listeners, Bayern can Bayern is seven points clear. Point a point a point midweek against Bremen. We'll see them win the title. Just to say on the Bayern Gladbach game. Oh God. <laughs> oh my God. Right. We need to talk about Swiss goalkeepers. I mean, because okay, Jan Sommer and Roman Burki are both brilliant goalkeepers. But my God, do they throw in a couple of things a season that just gives everyone who doesn't like them ammo and a lot of ammo. Because, you know, there was this yeah. parallel narrative going on last season that Berkey was really, really terrible from a lot of people. And he's not terrible, but he was also a, he was also basically Dortmund's best player. He yeah, kept he Dortmund was. in a load of, load of games last season. And he has done that this season as well. What Jan Sommer was doing there, I have no idea. So for those who haven't seen it, Jan Sommer decided to do something that even I probably wouldn't have tried that at, at the level I play at. So he's on the right-hand side of his box and he tries to play a pass to the left-sided centre-back, but he, his body is, has to shift at a really weird angle to do it. And he kind of scuffs it straight to Xerxes, bounces up, nice cushioned side foot straight in, 1-0, it cut to Marco Rosa, who, I think if Marco Rosa had had his tracksuit get up on, like he, you know, like the pub car park, I think he would have, he would have brought him outside, he would have brought, offered him out. called him out. Okay, but there's a couple of things to say about that. First of all, that was a very Hugo Lloris energy. It was Jan Sommer energy, Musa. Really? Yeah. Because he, he foreshadowed that. Like there's, there's a pass that he played about 15 minutes before that goal, where I remember thinking, you're going to be in trouble if you do that again. He hit this crossfield pass. It was just into the um, Bayern half. The trajectory was really bad. It narrowly cleared a pressing midfielder. Mm. And I was like, he, he foreshadowed it. And I'm like, what are you doing? That's going to come back and haunt you. And it did, surely did. And it was the yeah. same thing. It was the same thing where he adjusted the body at the last minute. So he didn't know what was there. It was like he was trying to fake out the press or something. I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on there. Yeah, it was, a, it was just not a very good move because Gladbach had been decent. They had a goal disallowed before that for offside, yeah. which was so tight. Um, it was horrible. Yeah, I mean, it was a great counter-attack as well. Is it Hoffman that scored? Mm. Um, it was a great, it was a great, great attack. And then they had a, a really bad miss from Briel and Bolo as oh, well. Oh yeah, the one where, so Neuer saves his header oh. and then it kind of sits right back up to him and he scuffs the left foot wide. This is really sad actually because Briel and Bolo had an incredible start to his career. Like truly incredible when I think he was 17 and he was like one of the hottest prospects in Europe. Yeah, and he was good at Schalke. And since, yeah, he was. And then had it in a, Really bad injury, to be fair to him. Really bad injury. And then came back. And of course, you come back from injury and then you're behind Marcus Turam. But to be, I you think know, he's, was, he's played well this season, though. Uh, he's been really good at points this season. You know, him, player yeah. and Turam have been, have been decent. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's just that I feel like he's 23 now. And part of me is like, as good as he's been, and I think Gladbach is, don't get me wrong, I think it's a great place for him. Mm. And I really hope they can keep the band together. And we were saying on the last podcast, I think, you know, there's a good chance they will. Mm-hmm. I would love to see him get a full run 
like as a more regular starter. Yeah. Because I think they've got a really great chemistry and energy, those three. Yeah, definitely. Um, this game yeah. was so full of um, kind of redemption. So Jan Sommer, after his absolute howler, also made an unbelievable save from Lucas Hernandez. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And then yes. Benjamin Pavar scored an own goal and then <laughs> had a brilliant assist for Leon Goretzka's winner, which was like, what, four minutes before the end. Yeah, Bayern one two one. That was a shame. That was a big test. You know, they've come through all their tests well. They beat Gladbach, they beat Leverkusen, they beat Dortmund since returning. And it's hard to argue that they're going to be worthy champions, you know. I think And Goretzka Goretzka's been amazing since the restart. Since he got guns. Yeah, well yeah. My well, God, so, yeah, that dude has been working since, out. He got swole. He got swole. Yo. <laughs> Yo. He did. He, he did. He's like, Loretzka is I mean, jacked. Um, <laughs> he is absolutely so jacked. <laughs> yeah. Some good games in the Bundesliga this weekend. Frauen Bundesliga, again, as you were, Wolfsburg can win the title on Wednesday. It's a shame no one's going to be there for that. Yeah. It's, it's just really sad. There's something about the concert. Any team winning a league and not having any sort of fan presence there is, is a real shame. Yeah, they're at home to Freiburg on Wednesday. Yeah, at least they'll win it at home, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, they are unbeaten this season in the league and they've drawn one. Yep. So yeah, I would the take a wild swing there and say they might beat Freiburg. I think it's a good possibility they'll beat them. Should we talk about Marcus Rashford? Marcus Rashford, yeah, let's talk about it. So an outline, basically, yeah, Rashford is trying to get MPs to help provide meals for the kind of socioeconomic demographic that he came from. So he grew up single parent family in Withenshaw. Yeah. Yeah, in, in Manchester. And Rash's point is basically that he is from the same economic circumstances that the children he is trying to help are from today. And that the, he's, ever since he was a kid, he said, the thing is, my mother brought me up, but she was helped not only by the community, but by the availability of social clubs, youth clubs. There was so much help. And systematically, the government has been slashing that help for years now to the point where People like him have to step forward and put these schemes in place. And he's basically saying it's not acceptable government that children are going hungry. So who do I talk to in the government to sort this out? Which is incredible. What's amazing about what he's done is it's not just him asking for money, which would be great enough. It's drawing attention to the systemic underfunding of young people and him going, look, I'm a success. You assess me now in terms of stats, goals, appearances, but I might not have made it out. And I made it out, crucially, I made it out because systems were in place for me to do so before, which don't exist anymore, yep. which is just like incredible. And this is the thing, it will sound patronizing, but any person in their early 20s coming out with that level of critique and sophistication of critique, that's a big deal. And to do it now, the timing of it is just incredible. It's really powerful. And this is also the same week that the Premier League will return and players will have Black Lives Matter on their shirts instead of names. Mm-hmm. So this is a hugely symbolic thing to have a black footballer taking a stance that is a stance on behalf of everyone. Yeah. Because the whole thing about Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter actually is a, it's a human rights movement. Yeah. It's not just about black people. It's about equal rights for people in the prison system and a better sense, a better conception of community fairness and justice. So for Marcus Rashford to be out here doing this at this point in history is not just hugely symbolic, it's practically significant. Yeah. The systems that he was referring to that aren't in place anymore. So I grew up in Manchester. I actually grew up not too far from Withenshaw. And 
I moved into the city centre when I went to uni and stuff and I used to have to get the train to my mum's and I think that what people may not realise who haven't been around that region, this is the case for a number of regions in the UK, is that as soon as the Conservatives got in power in what, 2010? You could see basically the funding being pulled from those kind of places that Marcus Rashford is talking about. So there was there were sports clubs or day centres and stuff like this that used to go, I used to pass on the train to go to my mum's. And gradually over time, you'd notice that they were getting a little bit run down or the grass was longer and then all of a sudden they were gone. It's obviously incredible the work that Marcus Rashford is doing. It should be alarming that he is having to do it. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I also want to touch on a point that Mass St. Paddy said where he said, what Marcus Rashford has done is amazing and deserves all the accolades. Absolutely. And he says, however, is there not an undertone here of what a brackets black footballer has to do for media society to see them as a human? And there's something else going on there as well. And I want to mention this in relation to pop, a wider aspect of pop culture. So Marcus Rashford is getting these um, accolades because he's nice, polite, well-spoken. Raheem Sterling got attacked, even though he was excellent, yeah. even though he was scoring so many goals. Yeah. He was attacked because he was perceived to be, you know, had a bad attitude or whatever. And I want to draw a parallel with what happened to Misha B. I don't know if those yeah. who remember like back in the day on those like reality shows and Misha B was basically like one of the hottest tipped. Like she was doing huge things and she didn't even get to the final of some reality show and she got bullied by the judges. Uh, was it um, Louis Walsh? Louis and Walsh, Louis Walsh and Talisa. And they really bullied her and they admitted, they came out and admitted just recently when she said on Instagram live, they bullied me. They made it all up. They made up that I was feisty because black women basically get portrayed as aggressive, bullying, nasty. And this is, this is connected to the Rashford thing and the Sterling thing because the second there is a black person, who, however excellent, who has perceived had an attitude, same as Paul Pogba. So you could argue that kind of Misha B is the Paul Pogba of reality TV. But the difference is Pogba's career was not destroyed by it. He won a World Cup. Misha B never got to make yep. a career. And she was on Instagram Live yesterday. And I can tell you this, Ryan, it is one of the most heartbreaking and rage-inducing videos I've ever watched. Mm. She's breaking down in tears going, the damage is done. This was eight years ago. Yep. You know, Little Mix went off and made their millions. Tulusa made her millions. And Misha B never got a career because she was perceived as the wrong kind of black person. You shouldn't have to have, quote-unquote, black excellence. It's like, it's okay to be mediocre. I know that sounds like... Exactly. Like, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Because here's the thing, like this thing about like even Black Lives Matter, and I'm already seeing people react to black players taking a stand. I was like, how about the white directors? How about the white managers? How about the white players? What are they going to say? Like, put a microphone under a white player's nose and ask them, what have you done to support the happiness of black players in your, in your league? What have you done in relation to Black Lives Matter? What are you going to do? Ask white sponsors. Like, you're, you know, I, I don't want to go on about it, but I kind of do because it's, this Rashford thing is like, you're so exposed yep. as a footballer. Matt Hancock came out and told footballers to do more at the height of the pandemic. Do you understand the level of rage that is to direct? You're like a, a middle-class white dude and you've got people in your cabinet who are loaded and you're not turning around and asking. Can I jump in there? To, a middle-class yeah, yeah. white dude who is so far out of his depth and mediocre and dreadful at his job and shouldn't be in his yeah. job. Shouldn't yeah. be in his job. And he's telling people who are excellent at their job, who have done their bit, and will continue to do their bit in various, various forms that they need to do their bit. Like, I'm not being funny, man, but get the fuck out of here. Yeah, because Marcus Rashford, at this point in history, is a better health minister than Matt Hancock. And he's like, 
attacking talent. Like one of the world's leading. He's too busy. Yeah. Like he literally shouldn't. Yeah, he's too busy. busy. And then they're having to do the jobs of other people whilst also being excellent and elite at multiple things. It's just like, man, what are we doing here? This is 2020. It's, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Yeah. I don't know, man. This whole like, this whole thing is just... It's embarrassing. Do you know, it's embarrassing. It is. It's that is an amazing word, Musa. That is an amazing word to use it because no matter what side of the political spectrum you fall on, no matter whether you are Tory or Labour or Lib Dem or whatever, the situation in the UK at the moment, and I know we're going on a massive political rant here at the end of the podcast, it's embarrassing. It's totally embarrassing. The fact that a 23-year-old footballer has had to step in and do this because he has literally had to. Yeah. He's had to. This isn't just a, a kind of like a school meals program thing. Someone had to take control of the clown car. Yeah. It's a, it's and it a was the guy who also wears the number 10 for Manchester United and is 23 years old. It's wild. That, that, he that is, should yeah, be yeah. embarrassing to yeah. anyone involved. Anyone in the cabinet should be super embarrassed by this. And the thing Marcus is, though, the thing is yeah, though sorry, sorry to kind of keep ranting, but... Go for it, go for it. They're not going to give a fuck. No. Because when do they? No. Like, if Marcus Rashford was as good as his job as anyone in the cabinet, we would never have heard of him. That right there, do you know, that is such a powerful, that's exactly it. That's exactly it, Ryan. Any more questions? <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? <laughs> That's magnificent. <laughs> I think we take it out. I think we just take it. I think we play out. I think we play out. <laughs> Should we just play that. out? Yeah, let's play out. Yeah. Right. Apologies or whatever to anyone who didn't like that. Sorry. But I just cannot believe that we're in this situation. It, it's just whatever. It is what it is. It is what it is. We're going to be back on Thursday because there are loads, there's loads and loads and loads of football on this week. We hope everyone's staying safe and well because there is a pandemic still going on, Musa. There is indeed. We haven't forgotten. And we hope that everyone's doing okay. But we are playing out with, oh, talk about a dream team lineup. Ragtime, I can't stay away. This is the Ron Hardy remix. Ragtime is Marshall Jefferson. So Marshall Jefferson on production, Byron Stingley on vocals, Ron Hardy on the remix. Good Lord. Magnificence. Uh, we're at Stadio on Twitter, Stadio Football on Instagram. Stadio.football is the website. And we'll be back on Thursday. Can't wait. Go vote.
You make my love explode. Are you? 